Welcome back to Cthulhu Light Show, your one-stop shop for nerd news you've already heard and opinions you don't need. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the Isle of Armor DLC for Pokemon Sword and Shield. I'm Brian. I'm Dakota. What up, fucker? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, I just took a week to beat uh, DLC that should take me like five hours. I mean, honestly... It probably should have taken a week, but yeah, it was very, very short DLC. I beat it in in two sittings, personally. I just, I don't know. I I could have beaten it faster, but I was having issues with grinding. I just I just don't like grinding. Oh, I don't either. I I was kind of fortunate because I already had some XP candies and. Uh, I didn't have nearly as much trouble with raid battles as you did. I don't know why, but yeah, nobody wants to fucking raid with me, and and we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. We are. I mean, this is supposed to be more of a conversation, but like like Brian said, the first DLC for Pokemon, really ever actually, the Isle of Armor, is out, and we both beat it, and uh, it it kind of sucks. Yeah. If we're just going to get into general impressions, I wouldn't say I hated it. I don't even know if I would say I disliked it. I was mostly just very underwhelmed by it. And I feel kind of bad. I feel I feel sad saying that because Dakota and I kind of went to bat for Sword and Shield in a way that most people haven't. Uh, we both really liked the base games and... Well, I think the DLC is theoretically made of good stuff. It just, it, I don't know, it just didn't grip me. Yeah, I, I expected a lot more out of it, I guess. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, I think that's me too. I just expected more. Yeah, like, for everything that they that they gave us and that this first, like, DLC outing, like, not, not a lot of it felt worth the money, I guess. Yeah. Like, looking at it, like, I, I, I enjoyed it. Like, it's the mm-hmm. first time I, I played Pokemon Sword in, it, probably since I beat it, honestly. Or since I had, like, gotten bored of running around the wild area, one trading mm-hmm. Pokemon. So it was fun to get back into that. I, I discovered some new Pokemon that I, that I, uh, that I really like. Uh, Galarian Slowbro is, is awesome. Yeah, Galarian Slowbro might legitimately be my favorite part of the DLC. Um, I did shift him onto my team, and... Bump some, uh, some. I, I rearranged my team a few times. Uh, yeah, so did Glenn I. Glenn Slowbro is great. Yeah, I added him. Uh, of course, Cub Fu. You gotta have him. That he's the kind of yeah. the star of the show for you know better or worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up actually. I have my switch here. Let me see if I can pull up my team real quick. Want to just deflect some real quick? Compare teams. Sure. Uh. It's going to take a minute now. I, I I didn't think you'd be okay with this. I thought we'd just scrap it and move on. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, I've, already just, fired up, I've already fired up swords, so might as well. I'll just say, I think part of my problem was that you and I both did a lot of dex completion for the base game. And I don't think either of us finished the dex. I certainly didn't, but I got pretty close and by the time I entered the DLC, I think my lowest level Pokemon was level 87. Wow. So I had, I had extremely high level Pokemon. Most of them were in like the 87 to 90 range. And then almost every Pokemon in the DLC is level 60. So I'm the kind of guy that usually likes to have one consistent team throughout a Pokemon game. But both because new Pokemon have been introduced and because my team was just too OP... I felt like I needed to start changing my team up because there was zero challenge in the DLC otherwise. And even when I started adding new Pokemon, I still felt like there wasn't a ton of challenge. I have praised Sword and Shield for placing a lot less emphasis on story and having a kind of more hands-off approach to just experiencing and enjoying the game. And that was probably my favorite thing about the DLC. I was a little desensitized to the concept of a wild area by this point, but I do think that 
the Isle of Armor wild area, which is the entire island, is much more interesting than the base game's wild area. And I dedicated at least two or three hours to just roaming and collecting new Pokemon and seeing cool sights before I ever even went to the first story objective. I don't know about you, Dakota, but I... That for me that was that was the area where I felt like the DLC succeeded the most was the wild area. The Isle of Armor almost kind of feels like a fleshed out safari zone in a way. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like Which, that, that, um, that's kind of the the main draw, I think. Yeah. Well, and the thing is the original wild area is supposed to feel like that, but I think it's pretty common knowledge that the wild area in the base game was like a last minute kind of slapdash addition that they didn't actually have any plans on making that a feature of the game, but that the higher ups told them, no, no, you have to have this. And so I think as a result, the base game's wild area feels, it doesn't feel like a part of a world. It feels like a feature. Yeah. And that might it might sound silly to say that cuz of course it's a feature you're playing a video game. But like uh Dakota you and I were joking the other day that like literally the only thing Nintendo has or the Pokémon company needs to do to make me happy is take all of the Zelda shit out of Breath of the Wild and replace it with Pokémon shit. Cuz like that is a world that feels like a world. Like there's lots of interesting geography. If you see a place, you can go to it. Um, there's always, roughly speaking, new things to uncover, uh, interesting sights to see. There's always something to occupy your time, even if it's just little, like, Korok puzzles. Whereas the base wild area feels super sparse and methodical in the way it's laid out. Nothing about it feels natural to me. I, I get what you're getting at there. Like, like you said, the wild area was a last-minute addition, and it definitely mm-hmm. feels like it. In in the Isle of Armor DLC, I, I, it works a whole hell of a lot better. I, I think the whole concept of like an open-world Pokemon game kind of works better in this in the in the DLC. I agree, and in fact, one like one little like kind of nitpick I have to kind of illustrate my point with the uh, the wild area in the base game. There's that one little corner by a lake where there's a uh, an old, like, ancient crumbling tower, and you can find ghost Pokemon there. When I first played through Sword, I was so excited when I found this location, because I was like, this is the most interesting and unique landmark I've found so far. It's not just grass or water or trees, and... There's ghost types here, and I haven't found those anywhere else. Like, what a cool and interesting way to introduce, like, a ghost-type habitat into into this world. But then what I realized is that's, like, aside, I think aside from a couple of exceptions, the only place you can find ghost types in the wild area, and it's the only tower of its kind. So instead of feeling like a naturalistic part of the world, it feels like the developer said, oh, how, where are they going to find ghost types? Okay, uh, that's the ghost type corner. You know, it's not like there were multiple towers or there were um, like graveyards scattered throughout or at night the ghost types would spread further away around the tower or anything like that. Like, it doesn't feel like an alive area to me. It just feels like... A feature. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's think, like it's like visiting a zoo almost. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's like this is the ghost type pen. Um, over there in the it, sand, that's the that's the ground type pen. Right and over there, and, and, where it's foggy, that's yeah. where that's where the fairies hang out. Yeah, it, it feels like, it feels like you're in a zoo. It feels like you're you're in like a like a dangerous petting zoo. It's very like on the nose, and it doesn't feel like naturally blended together. Whereas in the DLC, I think they do a better job with that. Everything flows together fairly seamlessly. Um, there's a lot more like interesting topography. Like it's not all just like a flat expanse of nothing. There's like weird rock formations and interesting looking islands and and uh, you know stuff like that. Ridiculous. It feels a little more lived in. 
Yeah, it does. And I'm sure it also lends itself that the Isle of Armor is a whole lot smaller of a map than the uh, than the base game is. But I I, I'd, I'd almost rather have this, like yeah. this style, like this smaller yeah. region with like more interesting things to do than the, all these straight routes up and up and up out to mm-hmm. uh, the capital city. I can't even think of the name. Well, that that's part of the thing is like, even in the main game, technically the wild area is a quote unquote open world segment, but it is still linear. Like you are always traveling north. Um, it's not like they put you in the wild area and say, go wherever you want, which is something that they actually do a number of times in the DLC, where they're like, there are five of the same objectives scattered around, do whatever order you want. Do some sightseeing, you know? Um, and I much prefer that. Um, I also, in, we'll, we'll get to the comparing our teams thing in a minute, sorry. Um. Oh yeah, that's what we're doing. In our second ever episode when we reviewed Sword and Shield, um, I think we had a, a small discussion about whether wild areas should just replace roots altogether. And you said, I was in favor of that, and you said that you still liked the kind of traditional root format, which I, I do too to a certain extent. But I think that this did a good job of showing how roots could still feel like organic parts of a wild area. Like, particularly in the forest, there it has like a root-like structure where there's just paths that you're walking along. But it's still like a connected part of the larger world and it still feels like you're in like a habitat rather than on a paved road. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean there. Uh... It feels more organic. Mm -hmm. Well, and, like, the first thing you see when you exit the train stop and and go, you know, see the Isle of Armor is that there's a big fucking whale lord in the distance. Um, And I know I am not alone in immediately making a beeline for that whale lord. That was the first thing I did. And then it's, I started to experience the Breath of the Wild effect, where, like, I went out there to accomplish one thing, but now I keep seeing all these other things that look really interesting, and, you know, three hours later I realize I haven't even started the objective. I love that. I, I think that's great. I, I took a more linear approach to it. I, I played it more yeah. like a Pokemon game. I yeah, guess, I guess, yeah. I guess if we're going to make that comparison. I played it more like a Pokemon mm-hmm. game where I immediately hit Clara. Oh, mm. cool, Clara. Yeah, she's great. I and, uh... Her. Oh yeah, her character. She actually has a really good character development. And everything like she doesn't feel like super shitty. We'll get into that too. We'll but, talk about her. Yeah. Yeah, but I, 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 you know, beat her. I got into the dojo, and then when they sent me out, I'm like, oh wait, this is a whole ass wild area. I can just like mm-hmm. run around, and so I did. And I appreciate that there were also some kind of unique environments. Like there was like the wetlands portion, which I don't think there was really an equivalent to in. The, uh, the original, the base game, there was no, like, marshy place. If I had any complaint about the, the wild area aspects in this, it was that I felt like I actually needed still more. Like, there, were, there was a moment I got frustrated because I saw this really cool rock formation on an island where it was, like, these two pillars fo- forming, like, a land bridge. And I could even see a tree on top of it. And I was like, I, like, the minute I saw it, I was like, ooh, I bet there's a cool Pokemon up there. And I got up to it, and there was no way to get on it. And that's where I started to feel the Breath of the Wild comparison again, because I, w- I was like, in Breath of the Wild, I could have climbed that shit. Um, and so I just kind of felt like, um, they could stand to, not only could they stand to let you explore even further, I think they could stand to incentivize exploration a little bit better. Um, cause after a while I did start, although it was initially very exciting, I did start to feel like, okay, I've been to one island, I've been to all of them. You've probably noticed this Dakota, but like in the wild areas, there are fixed spawns. In some places, like, everybody sees that whale lord when they enter. And once you catch it or kill it, it's gone. Um, I, I think it respawns eventually, but it takes Yeah, a they all do. Because, like, there's cause, like I, I, there's a there's a pessimian in, uh, in the Forest of Focus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I run by every time. 
And there, there's, yeah. there, there are specific Pokemon, you know, there's specific spawns, of course. Mm. And I loved that, like, the one place you could find Combi was on that Honeycomb Island. Um, I think they should have done more of that. Like, make sure every area has at least one or two rare Pokemon that are set spawns that are... It's rewarding to find, like, they're hard enough to find that it's really rewarding to find them. Yeah. I start, I started to get a little frustrated because, like, there was one island I was on where it seemed to be the only island where you could find an Execute, which I was like, awesome. Um, I actually really like Execute and Executor. That's not a popular opinion, I don't think, but I really like them. And there's a girl on another nearby island who says, if you give me an Executor, I'll trade you an Alolan one. So I was like, fuck yeah, I got, I got my Execute. And I have a Leaf Stone, so I can just make Executor right now. But then, the next island over had a fixed spawn Executor. Really? I was like, so why did I, why did they bother making this other island the only place you could find Execute? I think they needed to plan that out a little more carefully. Yeah, part of that might have... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, uh... The whole Isle of Armor felt like a more complete game than the base game, I think. It did. In, in a way. So. It, mostly due to the, the, the route, wild area, like, amalgamation. Pretty much my biggest gripe with this wild area was the same gripe I had with the original. What was a, Well, I, I did have this gripe with the original as well. No trainer battles. I like trainer battles, and it's really hard to level up Pokemon just from wild battles. I don't know if you know this, Dakota, but it is an actual, like, coded thing in the games that trainer battles always yield more XP than wild encounters. Oh, yeah, definitely. I noticed that. Okay, so, like, it's much harder to level up new team members if you don't give me trainers to fight. The The actual trainer battles, I think all total, there were probably less than 10 trainer battles in the entire Isle of Armor DLC. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, at least in the, in the, you know, not counting the post-game, which the DLC does have a post-game, and we'll get to that. But um, I saw a lot of people saying, like, okay, this is how you do the wild area right, and this is what Gen 9 needs to look like. And I pretty much 100% agree. I think take what you've done with the Isle of Armor's Wild Area and just give me more. Make it more in-depth. Make it so that I really can go anywhere. Get rid of the linear root system. We don't need it anymore. Like, in this game, Pokemon levels are, are calculated based on the amount of badges you have. So I believe you can go to the Isle of Armor after just having one or two badges and the pokemon will be much lower leveled and you can still complete the dlc i think hmm. but like you could do that in a completely non-linear pokemon game and say you just need eight badges in any order you want and the wild pokemon will scale according to how many badges you have i think that's great and i want to see that going forward yeah i think it's a cool idea i honestly having played through this i'm I really oh hopeful it's a weird thing to say with game freak i'm really hopeful that they they take this and learn from it yeah i agree i think i think this is a sign that they slowly are god damn it i hope so yeah i know i i do think they could have stood to have introduced a few more new pokemon because i think it's a little over 100 for each dlc it's like 140 for this one yeah, yeah, um, it's right around a hundred ish for for uh, for each. But one of one of my gripes was the wild area is a little bit smaller, and because I spent so much time exploring it, I discovered by the end of my first play session that I already had most of the Pokemon they reintroduced. I think by the end of my first play session, I had like eighty or ninety Pokemon, and now I have like a hundred and 10 or 20 and then i just need to like breed to get or evolve pokemon to get higher and lower forms and then i'm done so that's kind of a bummer um, yeah it is because like i i've got 320 pokemon uh, uh, in my decks yeah so i haven't i'm pretty sure i dropped that number that, that number hasn't changed it i I, <laughs> I got like one new pokemon from isle of armor so far 
Oh, really? Yeah. I will also say, you're right, Galarian Slowbro is, like, the most interesting thing, and I think they should have added at least two or three more Galarian forms. Yeah. Or, it, it, or, or just new Pokemon, besides Kupfu. I'm fine with the forms. Like, honestly, yeah. at this point, like, what, what more can you do with, like, new Pokemon? It's it's kind of what we got into with uh, the last couple episodes. I, I mean, I still have been consistently enjoying the new Pokemon designs, but I think the forms are such cool ideas, and they, they do such a good job breathing new life into Pokemon that people may have forgotten about. Like, like Sandslash and even Ninetales are not particularly viable Pokemon anymore, and introducing Alolan forms for them really put them back on the map. Same for, like, Executor, you know. All these new Alolan forms really brought new life into... Like, with Alolans, like, with the Gen 1 Pokemon. Like, no one gives a mm. shit about Rattata or Raticade, but, like, Alolan yeah. Rattata, Alolan Raticade? Kind of cool. Well, they, they are marginally better because now they get same type attack bonus with Bite and Crunch. And I think stuff like that's cool, and I think there are plenty of Pokemon out there that need that kind of treatment. So, I would love to see more Galarian forms than the ones we've already seen. Um... There is still going to be at least a Galarian Slowking, who's, um, we've only seen parts of it. We haven't seen its full body yet. I think it's probably going to be either Psychic Ghost or Psychic Dark, but we'll see. I, uh, I, again, the things that I liked about the DLC, I think were great. There just needed to be more. Um, what, what was some other stuff that you liked about the DLC before we just start shitting on it again? All, all the characters they introduced were, were, you know, decent. I didn't hate anybody. Yeah, I there's, liked there's, most of them, yeah. Yeah, there's there's nobody that I really, like, disliked and, and out of, like, Honey, Mustard, Clara, uh, all the Did you get that pun? Yes, I did. That was, that was, I honey appreciated mustard. that. I, I was kind of annoyed because I don't remember what their son's name is, but I'm pretty sure it was not Punny. It wasn't. It's like, I think it's Hyde. Yeah, okay. it's Hyde. Interesting. Because he, he just hangs out in that little side room. Right, and he gives you a Porygon when you beat the, beat the main. Yes, that, that's that's the one new Pokemon that I got <laughs> in, in Isle of Armor so far. I love Porygon. I was happy for the the chance to get it. Yeah, I think the characters are mostly pretty good. Um, I'm I was pretty indifferent to Honey, but then I learned that if you give her, I think it's literally a million watts, you can battle her, and supposedly she's like the hardest battle in the entire game. Really? Now, I haven't experienced that myself. That's just something I've heard about, so maybe I'm completely incorrect about that, but that's... If that's true, I think that'd be really funny and interesting. Yeah, I only had, like, 100,000 um, watts when I came in. Yeah. I'm pretty indifferent to Mustard until he gets in his full Kung Fu get-up, and then I was like, fuck yeah, Master Roshi. Yeah! Oh, that was... Oh, I didn't even think about that! Yeah. Very Master Roshi. Dude, um, he really is! And I think it's funny. I, I don't know if it's funny or if it's just weird that, like, he's elderly and Honey seems to be, like, middle-aged at most and they have, like, a young child. Um, he seems to almost have, like, a, a trophy wife, for lack of a better term. But apparently she's an incredible battler as well, so maybe not. Uh, I do think Clara and I forget what the psychic counterpart in S.H.I.E.L.D. is. We both have S.W.O.R.D. Uh, I think Clara was probably the highlight for me character-wise. Yeah, she's great. I mean, she's got a great design, but I'm also just always delighted to return to the shitty rival. Oh, the asshole look. rival. Yeah, she's got a good design. <laughs> <laughs> she do, though. Thick! She is thick. Um... <laughs> <laughs> this, the, uh, is, this is me killing time trying to find uh, the shield guy's fucking name. It's like, I think it's Ash or something. I doubt it's Ash, but... It's Ash with an E. Dude, what if fucking the shield people just got Ash catching on their <laughs> rival? And we got stuck with fucking Clara. She wouldn't seem so cool then. Yeah. Um, He... I... I think he has a similar personality. I don't know, because I've only seen a little S.H.I.E.L.D. gameplay. Avery, that? that's his name. Avery, okay. But yeah, I love that Clara not only lies to you about where you're supposed to go in the story, but she also fucking cheats in your final battle with her. She puts toxic spikes down before the battle starts, so you're 
your Pokemon are all poisoned the minute they get thrown in. I love that. Super shitty. It's a great touch. You know, people complain about how the evil team in Sword and Shield was so lame, but at least Bead and Clara show that Game Freak is, like, slowly returning back to the asshole rival archetype. I much prefer that. Yeah, I mean, when everyone yells about it for, for, you know, generations on end, you know, eventually that's going to come back and, like, hopefully they listen. Well, you also notice that Hop didn't show up until the fucking end of the DLC. Yes, he did. Like, they easily could have replaced Clara with him and just had him not cheat. And I am so glad that they barely involved him in the DLC, because both How and Hop had pretty negative fan reactions, and so I think they are they are slowly listening and learning yeah. and stuff like that. Game Freak could have easily been like, hey, player name, it's your, it's your mm-hmm. boy, your best friend Hop. Look, guys, we got, look, look, player, I just got two tickets from this weird old man to go out to this island. Yeah. Let's go check it out. Yeah. And, there, and there's your, oh, your Isle of Armor. I, I, I'm like, I, that's what I'm saying. That I, I like that they didn't, you know, do that. They exercised restraint. Yeah. I'm not going to say they listened to us, but like, you know, they, they supported expectations. Yeah, they gave us something just new and different for the most part. My assumption going in was because, you know, there's that whole thing about how you kind of get swept up into going to the dojo, even though you aren't actually the person who was invited there. You're just, like, basically committing identity theft? Yeah, you, you just fucking show up. Because <laughs> the way it starts is the guy is like, oh, man, Clara, is it Clara or Clara? I don't know. I say Clara, but whatever. Whatever. Clara scares me. I don't want to go there. Hey, guy, why don't you go to the Isle of Armor? Yeah. Well, I completely forgot about that. And so when I went in... At the end, and saw Hop there talking to Mustard, I was like, oh, it was Hop that was supposed to join the dojo. But it was not. And I was glad that uh, that it wasn't. And they stuck to their guns of like, no, no, Hop's like a researcher now. Uh, oh, um, something else that I, I like, we, you and I talked about this a little bit, is that the post-game is fairly mild, and it feels kind of ridiculous to even talk about a post-game, because it's, it's for a DLC, and... The actual main portion of the DLC is very short and almost uninvolved. Um, the post game has some interesting stuff for it, though. Like, um, mainly, restricted sparring is a new feature that I ha- I've only experimented with a little bit, but it's really fun. I haven't tried it yet. Um, basically, for people who don't know, restrictive sparring in everything but name allows you to be a gym leader for a minute. Where you pick a team of three Pokemon that all have one type in common, and you just accept a succession of challengers. And when I first heard about it, I was like, eh, it could be interesting. I like constructing monotype teams. I think it's fun. But I was like, okay, so I'll be like pitting three bug types against three bug types. Yeah, I'll try it eventually. But then what I realized is your opponents do not have monotype teams, and they do not use the same type as you. Like, the the more you escalate in difficulty, the more they'll use Pokemon that are specifically strong against yours. So it's an interesting kind of creative little challenge, where you kind of have to deliberately set yourself up at a disadvantage and kind of be in the shoes of the gym leaders you've been kicking the shit out of for 20 years, you know? I think that's an awesome little touch. Especially considering there was basically no post-game for the base Sword and Shield. Yeah, your, your post-game is go re-explore the wild area. Mm-hmm. And also there's, there's quote-unquote a battle tower. Quote-unquote. So, do you have any other stuff you want to add that uh, you really liked? Or do, should we start shitting on it again? No, nah, that's not positivity. We really front-loaded it. Let's, uh, let's get into it. Okay. Actually, here's a question for you. How do you feel about the G-Max soup? Uh, I think it's dumb. It, it's, it's barely explained. G- G- Dynamaxing and Gigantamaxing is already barely explained in the, in the base game. But then they bring, like, fucking soup into it. And, like, hey, this soup will help you, like, Gigantamax harder or something. Grow bigger. How? 
Well, I mean, just how do you feel about it, like, on the level of mechanics? Oh, uh, mechanic-wise, I guess it's cool that they're expanding the, like, the like the whole Gigantamax thing. I'm still not a huge yeah. fan of it. Like, I don't really give a shit about Gigantamaxing. I, I barely Dynamax in, like, in the base game. I do think Gigantamaxing is just a watered-down version of Mega Evolving. It is. Generally, I think with worse designs, not always. There's a few that I really like, but most of them I'm, I'm not a fan of. In this, the Gigantamax suit makes it so that so long as you have the appropriate species of Pokemon, you can give it Gigantamax soup and it will be able to unlock its Gigantamax form. Like, I could catch a random Krabby off the beach, evolve it into Kingler, it would just Dynamax normally, but if I feed it the Gigantamax soup, it will become Gigantamaxed Kingler. I think this is arguably an improvement, and it kind of, for me, showcases how fucking annoying the Pokemon fandom can be sometimes. Because people were furious about the fact that originally there was, you know, you had, it was super hard to actually get Gigantamax Pokemon. But now I've seen a number of posts saying, oh, so I did all that grinding and searching for nothing. I could have just waited a little bit and given them some soup. Well, I'm sorry, man, but this is the balancing that you were demanding not that long ago. They didn't balance it the way I wanted it to. They should have just balanced it then, which, you know, is actually a fair critique, arguably. Yeah. But I'm just I, saying, like, they're trying to improve it. Cut them some slack. I, I guess. I'm, I'm still in the camp that, like, it's shitty Megas that should have just kept Megas. Oh, I, I agree. Dynamaxing like, and Gigantamaxing are lame. Yeah, Dynamaxing's lame as shit. And, like, Gigantamaxing is just dumb and, like, artificial difficulty, if, if you really want to, like, break it down. Yeah, I'm not a fan. But uh, I think the G-Max soup is, like, whatever. Here's another question for you. When uh, you were offered a starter, which one did you take? Bulbasaur. Me too. Nice. Because my team was so ridiculously high-leveled, I was slowly cycling old stuff out for new stuff, and uh, I replaced my Rillaboom with, with Bulbasaur. But then I started having this problem where it was, like, it was really hard to get my Venusaur up to an appropriate level. Because... For the longest time, the wild Pokemon were too tough for Venusaur to reliably take down on its own. But also, it wasn't getting enough XP to reliably level up quickly. Yes! God damn it, yes. I had the same issue with Cub yeah. Fu. Yeah. Yeah, it is a problem. I ended, I ended up benching my, my Venusaur. I got up to Venusaur, and I'm like, I'm still getting fucking two-shot here. This isn't going to work for me, dog. Yeah, yeah I also actually got... replaced my Venusaur. I've got to beat this by fucking Tuesday afternoon. I ain't got, like, <laughs> I still, I still got to go work later. So, like, I don't have the time to fuck with this. Yeah. I, um, I wound up replacing my Venusaur with a Shinotic that I had in my party. Just because the Shinotic that I had was already level 60. And my Venusaur was at, like, 40 or 50 or something. And I was just fucking sick of grinding with it. I already had my, like, level 65 or whatever Mega Slowbro. Or not Mega Slowbro, Galarian Slowbro. So I was like, I don't need two poison types. I'll just shelve Venusaur 2. Yeah, you um, know what? I actually replaced Venusaur with Slowbro. I'm like, man, because, like, like, like you said, you know, this Pokemon... The Galarian Slowbro is already level 60. So why am I mm -hmm. trying to trade up this fucking Venusaur... You know, yeah. I can just, why don't I just capture this and see what happens? And then I, I leveled it up and I evolved it. it, it Glittery and Slowbro is fucking awesome. Yeah, it has a great signature move. I love it. Yeah. That was maybe my biggest frustration with the game was I felt like I wasn't really using my team. And I felt like all of them, like, because one of the things I was excited about was I was like, there's all these returning Pokemon and my team is so overleveled. I'm going to totally revamp my team and like build a whole new team for this DLC. And then I'll do a whole new team for the next DLC too. But by the time I finished the DLC, not only had I not fully replaced my team, but a lot of the Pokemon I had, you know, filled in were struggling because I couldn't level them up quickly enough. Um, and there's barely any battling. Most of the battling you do is re required to be with Cub food. Yeah, that, so. that, that's, that, and that's, you know what, that's a good segue into my funny story. Uh, okay. All right, so, uh, as we heard in the beginning, <clears throat> I, I think that got left in. I don't know, Future Code will make sure it gets left in. Uh, I had a much harder time with this DLC than Brian did. 
Yes, you did. I, I, I don't know if, if it's the team composition or if it's uh, just our play styles or what, but I was having a hell of a... It took me, like, three days to get to finally, like, get Kapu up enough to take on... I took I took Water Tower, Brian took Dark Tower, I think. Yeah, we didn't even coordinate it. Yeah, I, I figured he would t- take a Water Tower, too, but... Uh, Dark Tower. There you go, Mr. Mr. English Major. Oh, ayo! It was not the last thing I was expecting was a Stephen King reference in this episode. Right? Nice work. Thanks. Nice work. Thanks. Took me a second. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? But, like, my story. So, uh, the way you get Kung Fu to evolve into Urshifu is by going through either the, uh, the Water Tower. I mean, I forget the actual names. I'm gonna call them Water Tower and Dark Tower. That's I think basically, it's pretty that's similar. It's basically what it is. It's like it's like it might be Tower of Water. Yeah, Tower it, of it's darkness. Yeah, I think it's that. But and also, I, I I couldn't find the dark one, so I'm like, yeah, no, I can already, I can already see the uh, the Water Tower from here, so I'm just gonna go there. Yeah. And how how it works is it's just Cub Fu. You gotta you gotta you gotta box your entire team, which is way easier in this game because you can just go straight to the boxes in your uh, yep in the menu, which I I yep. love I love I still love that fucking feature. People shit on the Let's Go games, but that and roaming Pokemon are two great additions from Let's Go. Oh fuck, we didn't even talk about roaming Pokemon. Bring back roaming Pokemon is awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, yeah, it's kind of implicit with the wild area, but yeah. Yeah, but um. The way the the Kubfu challenge works basically is you got to take one of these towers. It's five battles, one Pokemon each. Spoilers if you haven't, haven't beaten it yet. At the top of the tower is Mustard, mm-hmm. and he also has a Kubfu. Yeah, he goes full Master Roshi. Yeah, and I kept getting my ass kicked by Mustard. Actually, he kept his, his fucking his Kubfu was just faster than mine again, and like his is level seventy or seventy. I think it's seventy. And mine yeah, was like 58 when I went in because I got impatient and just said, fuck it, I, it, it's been three days. I got I to gotta advance the goddamn story. Mm. So I went in, quote-unquote, under-leveled. Well, I, I went under You were under-leveled. I went in under I Objectively. Went in like, I went in like 12 levels under-leveled, and then I, I kept getting shit on at, right at the end. And it makes you redo the entire tower if you lose. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> what I did... Here's uh, all right. Here, this is uh, this is uh, a new segment on Cthulhu Light Show. Because all we're talking about is Pokemon now. This is uh, Dakota's. This is Dakota's trainer tips. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. So my tip for beating uh, the Kung Fu Challenge Tower thing: just do what I did. Stock up on a bunch of full restores, and <laughs> give your Kung Fu Rocky helmet, and then mm-hmm. just spam full restores until Mustard's Kung Fu gets itself killed. Karate chops itself to death. That's the phrasing I use. Thank you. Yes. Wait for wait for mustard's kung fu to karate chop itself to death. <laughs> As you just keep force feeding your kung fu, who has a rocky helmet, full restores. I I completely cheesed the 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 tower. Not only is that a a, a big bitch move, but my favorite thing is like that's a that's a real dark type move right there. You should have just done the Dark Tower. That's some sneaky shit. Aw, uh, goddammit. That would have worked way better. Yeah, it would have been thematically appropriate. Um, <clears throat> but hey, the important part is you finished and you got your Urshifu. Yeah. Um, the level requirements they gave kind of actually annoyed the shit out of me because I think must they, they tell you at the door you should be at least level, or you should be around level 70 before you enter. And I think Mustard was the only one who had a Pokemon that was level 70. The rest were in the 60s, I think. Yeah, that's I how... I could be yeah. wrong. No, I'm that's... I, 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 I'm kind of an expert on this now. That's exactly how it is. It goes... It starts off... Uh, the first The first guy is 65, and then 66, 67, 68, mm-hmm. 69. And then right at the top is uh, Mustard with his shitty Cub food, level 70. I one-shotted with Aerial Ace... Every single opponent but Mustard. I think that took two shots. So you did all that grinding, and they told you to get to a much higher level than you honestly needed to be, and then it was like a cakewalk. I finally get trainer battles, and they're boring as shit, and they're over immediately. That that really bothered me. Yeah, um, give me more trainer battles, man. Like, 
if, if you're gonna force me to level a Pokemon up 60 levels, mm-hmm. give me some fucking trainer battles. Give, give now me some, later... like, some easier... Give me, and uh, another tip, actually. Uh, honey, honey, honey calm, honey calm Island, that's it. Mm-hmm. Honey Calm Island. Uh, all, all, and, uh, the whole, the whole Isle of Armor is scattered with fucking free items. You, you, yeah. you should never go to Pokemart ever again, because it's, it's full of, it's just full of, like, scattered items. Honey Calm Island, uh, has a bunch of jars of honey, of course, and also, like, uh, XP candies. They're not... Yeah. Is that, is that what they are? Not rare yeah, candies, yeah. but like like uh, XP, XP candies. Yeah, e- e- XP up like small, medium, large, whatever. Which would have been nice but, if, if I'd gone to that yeah. before I'd done the tower. But at that time, I already had my fucking Urshifu. Now, in fairness, there is a later battle with Mustard where he goes all out and uses a full team. I think you have to have your Gigantamaxable... Urshifu at that point. And that's a pretty cool battle. But even that, I felt like I mopped up pretty quick. Yeah, I, I didn't have... I, I had more trouble with the tower than I did with uh, than with Mustard's final battle. Which was awesome, because it, it was like... The, it was the first, like... I think that's the first, like, six-on-six battle you could do this generation. Because, like, every Maybe. other... Maybe. Every, every Leon other... Leon might have six. Leon might have. But, like, everybody else had, had like, three, four... Maybe five once you hit like like the tournament. I think I feel like a lot of the gym leaders did have a very small amount of Pokemon, um, but I would I would also say like for yeah, me the problem is that the build up is so drawn out, but the payoff never really felt satisfying to me. Yeah, there's so like, much build that that yeah. the, 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 there there's no payoff that could have been like acceptable, I guess. Yeah. Well, the problem is they give you a level 10 Kubfu and say, get this up to level 70 in an island with no trainer battles and just, you know, do all the fights and wrap up the DLC. So, like, for me, grinding all the way up to level 70 and then plowing through that tower and then collecting honey and letting Hop fucking lick my head for some reason. (laughs) um, Forgot about that. It just... At the end, it just didn't feel like enough to justify all that grinding. And I wasn't in love with Kung Fu or Urshifu enough to make me want to dedicate the bulk of the DLC to training it. I was like, but I already had a list of Pokemon I wanted to train. Like, I'm still getting to know my, uh, Glarian Slowbro. Yeah, like, Glarian Slowbro is only like level 63 or something, so, like... Mm-hmm. And, you know, I put you get... 15, 20 hours into this DLC. Mm-hmm. Team building is has always been my favorite part of Pokemon, like experimenting with new Pokemon that I've never used before, seeing how they work together. And so it frustrates me when you tell me, here's a candy shop full of Pokemon that weren't available in the base game. Oh, we actually don't want you to use any of them but Kubfu. And you will not get any opportunities to use them in actual battles, except for through restrictive sparring in the post game. You know, that, that annoys me. Yeah, it, it honestly is super shitty. Now, I will say, you talked a little bit about the price point before, and it is technically only $15, which, considering that in the past they used to charge you another $40 for a second version of the original game that added probably roughly the same amount of content, I would argue it probably was worth the money, I just did not get invested in it or enjoy it in the same way I enjoyed the base game. I did warm up to Urshifu, though. I do like its design. Yeah, like, Kupfu is alright. Again, it's another one of those, like... It's not really a baby Pokemon, but, like... I don't know, it's alright. Urshifu is thighs bother me. Yeah, Jesus. Kupfu... They don't... (laughs) Kupfu genetically cannot skip a leg day. Yeah, they, they look, like, misaligned with the rest of his body. At the same anyway, go ahead. Like I was saying, like, Urshi, Urshifu's alright. Like, like like you said, I don't care enough about Urshifu that I feel like he should be the big draw of the DLC. Yeah. My thing with Urshifu is, if it were just a new random fighting-type Pokemon that you could catch in the Focus Forest, I would really like it, probably. 
Or at least I'd like it well enough, and I might have even added it to my team. But I don't think there's anything about it that screams legendary to me. But it is a legendary. And I also have a policy about not having legendaries on my team. So, like, you know, I, I just wish they had just made it a basic Pokemon and given us another, like, 20, 25 brand new Gen 8 Pokemon. Uh, just I'm, in general. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I forgot Kubfu slash Urshifu is supposed to be, like, a legendary Pokemon. Yeah, because, doesn't feel like it. Yeah, because when you get to the top of the tower and Mustard has one, you're like, oh, this is just this is just like a new Pokemon just for this island. All right, cool, whatever. Right. I, right. I didn't know it was supposed to be legendary. Yeah, I believe it technically is. Urshifu, at least, that's, anywhere. It's a lame fucking legendary. I also think the Dark-type variant's a lot cooler than the Water-type variant, but I might be alone on that. Um, I am curious, what's the signature move for the Water-type? Uh, it is... Something Rapid Strike, I'm it's sure. It's, uh, Surging Strikes. Okay. It like hits... It ho yeah, hold on, I'm bringing it up right now. I got, I still have a switch okay. open. So, nice. Surging Strikes. Water, uh, you get, I'm gonna break the whole thing down. Water type move, uh, you get five uses. You get five, five okay. PP. Uh, Power 25, Accuracy 100. Uh, the okay. user, having mastered the water style, strikes the target with a flowing motion three times in a row. This attack okay. always... This, this is where the cool shit happens. This attack always results in a critical hit. So, Urshifu can crack off three critical hits per turn. Oh. Okay, so the Dark-type Urshifu is, I think, base 80 or 90 power... It's 5 PP, and it's one hit, and it's always a critical hit. So really, there's not that much of a difference between them. Not really. It's just like, uh, like in the in the way the just branding was. Difference. It's like the the, the yeah. way it was showed off is like you know like rapid strike style and like shadow strike style or some shit. Uh, it's single strike style. Yeah, that's it. Single strike style. I bad. Yeah, I feel like what they should have done is either just remove the critical hit thing from the water type one and give it more pp or make it so that it doesn't get critical hits but instead of the standard two to five make it so that it's guaranteed to be three to five or four to five or say like it's two to six or two to seven like i don't know because if the critic the whole point of the single strike style is that you hit once and you hit really hard so the guaranteed critical made sense there for me, but I thought the rapid strike, the point was that you hit many times and chip them away with many different attacks. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I, I, I completely understand what you mean. So Which, I think that's a little weird. Yeah, like, the, the way you say that, like, certainly strike should have been different. It should have been, like, you know, this, this Pokemon, you know, having mastered water style strikes the target, like you said, like, you know, three to six times or something. And yeah. like, get, make it a priority move, even. Yeah, or give it a priority, or like, or like this this attack never misses, or something. Yeah, like, something like that. Yeah, some something besides like, oh hey, uh, it's a water type move. Here's uh, three random criticals on this mostly fighting style uh, Pokemon. They're they're practically identical moves, so that's a little annoying. The animation, I don't know about for you, but the animation for the dark version though is excellent. It's really cool. Uh, the animation for uh for Surging strikes, it's like, uh, how do I explain it? it, it it's two or three, like, a couple of punches, like a kick, and, like, you mm -hmm. know, water follows with with the moves. It's kind of cool. It's like a water bendy kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Like, the animations, the animation's all right. Like, surging yeah. strikes is just kind of an underwhelming move. I chose dark type just because I already had a water type on my team, so if I was gonna be stuck with Urshifu, I didn't want to have another water type because i already had a different fighting type um but I, I gotta say i mean most people know this by now but the actual japanese like translation of the dark type is the evil type so i'm always a little uncomfortable like i'm uncomfortable with the idea of like i'm gonna take this little neopet and make it evil you know but whatever man that really. is way cooler i should have gone dark uh dark tower god damn it yeah, but I was just surprised that, like, this noble warrior mustard, his two options were you could do going with the flow water type or 
fucking evil type. Fuck it, yeah. Fucking Itachi style. Yeah, yeah. Throw sand in their eyes style. Kick him in the nuts style. Yeah, fuck dirty fighter style. Kimbo slice style. Um. Anyway, let's finally compare our teams. Um. Since we said we were gonna do that. Oh, hey, that's called a payoff. Yeah. Almost. So, uh, Brian, you opened the episode, right? Yes. Let me hear your team. Okay, I don't have it on hand, but off of memory, I didn't completely replace my team. So when I went in, my team was Rillaboom, Colossal, Dragapult, Lantern, Orbeetle, and Surfetched. And pretty quickly, I replaced Dragapult with Galarian Weezing, just because I wanted to give it a try. And then I got Venusaur and replaced Rillaboom with that, so I had two poison types. And then I was like, I might as well have a good poison type that interests me. So then I replaced Weezing with Galarian Slowbro. And then I was like, why do I have two poison types? So then I replaced Venusaur with Shinotic, because Shinotic's like a weird personal favorite of mine. Which is also, I think, an unpopular opinion. Um, I've never heard of a Shinotic fan. And then I replaced uh, Surfetched with Urshifu. I don't think there were any other replacements. Oh, I eventually replaced, um, was it Colossal with uh, with Porygon? Um, oh no, I replaced Colossal with, um, I replaced Lantern with Kingdra. Because I found one of those just randomly swimming around and that was really cool. That's a Pokemon I've never ever used because it's you know you have to trade with a special item usually. Right. Um, and then I replaced Colossal with uh, with Porygon, I think. Um, so wow! Yeah. So you you completely you completely revamped your team for this. For the most part, I still I still have Orbeetle on my team, and I wanted to replace it and Urshifu with Heracross, but that's a Shield exclusive. Um, and then I was going to figure out something for that final slot. I was tempted, instead of Shinotic, to have Ferrothorn with the Rocky Helmet. Um, because Ferrothorn already has an ability that's kind of like rough skin, you know, where like physical attacks hurt the opponent. Yeah. Um, so I was I did that in X and Y, where I had Rocky Helmet, Ferrothorn, and every time I got attacked, my opponent would take a shitload of damage from those two to affect stacking. Oh my god! But I was like, ah, I already did that. I, I I should try something new. So I just did Shinotic. Nice, nice. But yeah, yeah, I was expecting to like get to go on a journey with this new team I was building, and then I, the fucking DLC ended before I even finished building it. So yeah, yeah. I um, just before I get into mine, just real quick, something to hit on. I I feel like the DLC was. Like, we already talked about this. Really, the DLC was kind of over before it began. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is disappointing. I guess we're still, if we're still shitting on the DLC, well, I'll keep that in. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess my thing is, like, I kind of get the sense that the Crown Tundra is going to be a lot more substantial, or at least I hope it is. But, like, this was the thing that was meant to tide us over between the two... You know, between the base game and the final DLC, this yeah. was meant to keep us engaged with Sword and Shield. This is supposed to keep us keep us going on on Sword and Shield for like another four or five months before Crown Tundra comes out in like I think December or uh, or November. Right. Which my problem is like I didn't really really feel like I was back in the swing of things until I had pretty much beaten the DLC. Like for the for the when I was first getting back into it, I kind of felt like a zombie. I was like. All right, how's all this shit work again? Uh, which is funny because I actually spent a lot of time on the post game for the the base game, but yeah, it just it didn't leave enough of an impression with me, and I didn't spend enough time with it to really feel like it's tiding me over, you know, or keeping me invested. Yes, I, I got the same way because like I, I put in like uh, sixty hours, I think, base game, and mm-hmm. I'm at one hundred and sixty. Mm. or more on my profile. So I put a decent amount of time in on post-game stuff. Yeah, me too. Uh, but and and another thing to shun real quick, like the like the like the little fetch quest we go on, the couple of mm-hmm. fetch quests honestly, just with hop you mean? With, yeah, the couple the fetch quests with hop and the like the one you, the, the the first trial where you get the max mushrooms. 
Yes, yeah. Uh, the trials were okay. The, 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 it, they were there. It was it was something to move the story along, really. I think that's why I had more trouble with the deal with the DLC. It's just like, man, this is... Where's the battles? This sucks. <laughs> yeah, I... I think that was it for me, too. I was expecting, like... Just, like, kind of a miniature version of the base game. Like... There's four gym leaders on this island, or some kind of equivalent. Like, oh, if you want to challenge the dojo master, you have to fight his four disciples in the four temples around the island. Like, I was expecting something like that, and we did not get that, um, which frustrated me. That would have been way better. Because, like, I got six Pokemon, and you have maybe, like, seven or eight required battles for me. Like, I'm barely getting to use any of them at all. Yeah, and, and you have all these new Pokemon that I want to try. Or these old new Pokemon. Yeah, like I said, there's, like, yeah. six or seven, like, mandatory battles, and five of them are right in a row. Where you can only use one Pokemon yes, for. and easy as shit. Oh, god damn it. Need more f- I hope you f- I hope Crown Tundra is nothing but Pokemon battles. It'd be nice. You fight Clara twice, and then... or Do you fight her three times, or is it just twice? It's just twice. Okay, you fight her twice, and then you fight the five people in the tower, and then you can fight Mustard again, and I think that's it. Yeah. So eight battles. Yeah, it's only, it's only, it's only two, because you, you, you battle Clara when you first get to the island, and mm. then you battle her again and she cheats. Right. And then she's I, like, really "Oh think... man, I, I'm sorry for cheating. I, I, I just, I just want to be the best. I, I just, I work so hard." Mm-hmm. Another thing that kind of bothered me was that the actual trials were not particularly challenging. And I'm not usually a hard ass for like difficult Pokemon games, but catch the three Slowpoke before your 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 classmates do. But guess what? Your classmates aren't actually going to try and catch them at all. Your classmates are just fucking idiots. Or like, oh, I hope you find Gigantamax mushrooms before anybody else does, but guess what? Everybody else is literally incapable of it. Like, I feel like they could have made it a little more interesting, at least make it so, like, Clara genuinely could have won at least one of them if you were sloppy, and then you would have to do, like, a tiebreaker. I don't, I don't know how we got back into shooting on the DLC when I was supposed to talk about my team. Yeah, talk about your team, man. Alright, so originally, I went in with, like, Toxtricity... Flygon, mm-hmm. Gardevoir, Inteleon. Poor guy. He got replaced. I noticed that Gardevoir. Yeah, and Gardevoir's there too. The only female on my team, actually. Well, the don't only me, member of your team you want to fuck, except maybe me, Inteleon. Don't, don't, don't fucking read into it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I have to make at least one Pokefile joke this episode, or I'm not <sighs> doing my job. Exactly, yeah. That, 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 that's our running gag now. Thanks a lot. You're welcome, Scaly. <laughs> I'm kidding, you're not a scaly, you're a fibby. My team consists of... Well, now... Well, fuck it. Now it consists of Urshifu, uh, Toxtricity stayed, Galarian Slowbro, Flygon stayed, Gardevoir stayed, and I added... Because I had to train up Cubfu, I, I felt... You know what? I, I threw I threw a Larvitar I had in there, because uh, I want a Tyranitar on my team. Uh-huh. And I finally did get that as well. That that was nice. Tyranitar, Pupitar evolved into Tyranitar during the uh, well, not during, but like after the final battle with Mustard. So that was kind of cool. Okay. Nice little, nice little personal. Cool. That's a nice little personal cap off. Felt like my little anime moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's my team. It's all right. Flygon was a wonder trade that I got, so it's it's ludicrously mm. overleveled. It's level ninety two. Nice. And like my low um, and my fucking Tyranitar is fifty seven. Yeah. So there's See, a hell of a spread. Sorry, go ahead. I said there's a hell of a spread level wise. Yeah. Well, I I think um, it's interesting that we both switched up our teams. I personally almost never do that in the course of the same playthrough, but because it kind of felt like a new chapter of the playthrough, I wanted to do it. But just beyond that, like it was the only way I felt like there was going to be any challenge. And also, I felt like it was the only way I could kind of, like, engage with the DLC. Like, it was a very, like, hands-off kind of sparse experience. So, I like, the only way I could really spice it up was, like, what if I use some Pokemon I've never used before? 
which I don't think is a very good sign of of. It's it's weird because in in terms of the wild area and the environment and the characters, I think it's very high quality, but I think that it's just too little. And I had I was already out of the Pokemon mode. I think I talked to you about this before, Dakota. But probably for me, the biggest sign that the DLC was kind of a disappointment was that when I realized it had been released, I was annoyed because I had I had been making really good progress in a game I've been meaning to play for a really long time, Earthbound, and I was really getting into it. And then now I was like, ah, oh, fuck! I gotta play the DLC while it's fresh, and I want to talk about it on the podcast. And like I said, it really wasn't until I beat it that I felt like I was happy to be playing Pokemon Sword and Shield again. Um, so that like that's not a good sign, I think. Um, no, it's not. Now, before we start wrapping up, I feel like it should be known that when Clara lied to Dakota and told him not to go to the dojo, Dakota believed her. And I just want to give him some shit for that. Yeah, why would the game lie to me? You bitch. You wa- <laughs> <laughs> you wandered for like a fucking hour. I remember texting you being like, hey man, are you going to play the DLC? And you're like, yeah, I just started it. And then like an hour later, I was like, so how's it coming? And he was like, Clara told me not to go to the dojo and I can't figure out where I'm actually supposed to go. <laughs> I can't believe... You gullible little man. I can't believe the game would lie to me. <laughs> this should... you, were, you were entranced by your toxic waifu. I can't believe... <laughs> God damn it. I'm such a simp. All right. Yeah. Straight simping. <laughs> yeah, straight simp. That's that's episode episode 18 simping for Clara. Honestly, not a bad title. Awesome. All right. In that case, uh, Brian, is there anything else you want to add? Uh, I'll just say that between you and uh, and another of our friends, I, I asked last night, like, would we be happier if we weren't Pokemon fans? And uh, I think part of the problem that the fan community has, including us, is we like to get our expectations really high. And because I've been daydreaming about Pokemon since I was like five, I always see more untapped potential. Like, I can't see an interesting rock formation without going, oh, but what if I could go on there? Or like, think of all the cool environments they could do. So while I will acknowledge that Gen 8 has a lot of flaws in the DLC while not, like, offensive for the amount of money you pay for it, you know, $15, it's probably the least engaging experience with Pokemon I've had in a long time. So I am just hoping it will be a stepping stone to a vastly superior Gen 9. Oh, wait! Dakota! What? We've got to talk about following Pokemon. They're back. I mean, we mentioned it very briefly. Well, we mentioned roaming Pokemon, which, I mean, like, the overworld models. Oh, shit, we, oh, I thought we, oh, yeah, yeah, you could follow, Pokemon will follow you again. And amazingly, this is actually a negative point for me, because it, I don't know about you, Dakota, but I thought the AI seemed real shitty. Yeah, it definitely could have used some work. They take forever to follow you, and originally I thought it was just a funny little quirk of Slowbro, because Let's Go Pikachu had a lot of stuff like that, where, like, Slowpoke followed you really slowly. But no, all of the Pokemon will just stare and wait to follow you. And I think it's because they're tracking the path your character walks. And it's like a way of trying to prevent you from getting caught in a corner with your Pokemon. But Let's Go already had the perfect workaround for that. Because if your Pokemon ever got in the way, they would just like teleport behind you. So it actually stressed me out a little bit. And I've actually, I actually know of a couple of people who turned the function off. Which is uh, a sign that you did something really wrong, because people have been asking that f- for that forever. Game Freak could have just like brought over that little mechanic from Let's Go Pikachu Eevee, but you mm-hmm. know why would Game Freak recycle something? Right? Why would they recycle Megas or Z moves or triple battles or rotation battles or anything? But yeah, it's weird. It's anyway, weird that the only thing that Game Freak recycles is the character models. <laughs> <laughs> Hop. And the characters. Yes. There we go. Um. So what are, what are your final thoughts, Dakota? Uh, final thoughts. Uh, it's all right. Okay. I mostly feel the same way. 
like I said, I, I don't even know if I necessarily disliked it. I was just very underwhelmed. There's a lot of, disappointed. yeah, there's a lot of great ideas there. Nothing came to fruition just because the actual main story was so goddamn short. Pretty mixed feelings. Mostly disappointed. Just kind of unremarkable. Yeah. Um, I think we're pretty much good to wrap this up. Thank you for tuning in to the Light Show. I'm kind of sorry that we've done three Pokemon episodes in a row. It wasn't intentional. We did the favorite Pokemon episode, and then it was way long, and we had to split it into two parts. And after the fact, we realized the DLC was coming out very soon, so we'll probably stray away from Pokemon for a while at least. Um, yeah. But people like Pokemon, so I don't I don't think it's that big of an issue. Yeah, but, you know, uh, it could be worse. We could be talking about uh, AMC theaters again. We sure could. Or um, Telltale Games. Yeah, or... Hey man, let's do three Telltale Games episodes in a row. Thanks again for tuning in. Please like, review, follow. It really helps. Tell your friends. You can find Dakota on Twitter and Instagram at Dak Russellford. You can find me only on the podcast. Uh, someday I'll get a Twitter. Um, but uh, thank you for listening. Go to hell, you dirty, disgusting bastards, and we'll see you next time. I'm Brian. Uh, I'm Dakota, and all the things I was going to say, so yeah, see ya.